We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. This past week, the good news was Oklahomans voted for Ryan Walters in the primary for our superintendent of public instruction. And in Florida, many conservative parents took school board seats across the state. But yet, up in the Northeast, in Maryland, a judge rules that the state owns your children, and you do not. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show today and all week long. And for those of you who are routine listeners on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, I'm so grateful for for that loyalty. Thank you. Remember that if you do this uh, on the podcast version, uh, as well as the radio version, because if you listen to it on the radio live, you can obviously go to the podcast version, listen to it again, or go back to the cataloged issues and listen to your favorite episodes. If you do that, would you please consider copying and pasting your favorite shows to your social media, Twitter and Facebook, Truth Social, Gitter, Gab, MeWe, whatever you use. Please consider posting the rebellion out there so that more people join, get more followers, more participants in the rebellion. And again, for those that are relatively new, what do we mean by the rebellion? Well, it's the tagline of the show. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. And we highlight the lies, the deception, and we we juxtapose those. We compare those in a critical way to the truth. The truth versus lies. In times of universal deceit, the universal lies of our culture coming from top down, the hierarchical attempts to control us with deception, with lies, with sleight of hand, with fallacies. We shine a light in that darkness with truth because in times of universal deceit, the only thing we can do is tell the truth. That's the ultimate rebellion. And the argument here on this show is that that will set us free in the context of the words of Jesus himself who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. It is that truth that gives you freedom. It's the paradox of truth, because truth does bring with it some definition, some clarity, boundaries, if you will, to our lives. Oh, those boundaries will constrain us. Those boundaries will not allow us to go everywhere we want to go. We won't be free. That's the cry of the progressive left. Well, to some extent, their argument is legit. You're right. The truth will tell you that you're walking toward a cliff, and if you take another step, you will fall hundreds of feet to your death. The boundaries of truth will tell you to stay out of the middle of the highway. It's dangerous. That's not a place to play football or soccer. There are cars coming that will kill you. The boundaries of truth tell you to behave in a given way so that your body doesn't get sick. 
If you engage in this or that behavior, you're exposing yourself to diseases, and you might not only get sick yourself, but you'll you'll pass that disease, that sickness on to the people that you're engaged with in that activity. These are these are the boundaries of truth. I mean, we all know that there's a paradox between liberty and law, freedom and fences. If you tear down all of those fences and get rid of all of those laws, you're going to be more restricted and confined by your own sins, if you want to use biblical language, your your own mistakes. You you will be confined by your licentiousness if you tear down all of those definitions. Now, drug addiction is a specific example of that. If you're free to use any and every drug that you want to use for your own recreational purposes or therapeutic purposes, you will become confined by the addictions that are the consequence of those choices. But if you restrain yourself, if you accept the definition of good use of um, a drug and bad use of a drug, then you will have more freedom rather than less. We understand the paradox of discipline and freedom in sports and music. If you discipline yourself to practice and do what the coach says and play within the boundaries of a given sport, the definition, the boundaries, the, uh, the, the rules of the game, then you will be blessed to have more freedom to participate in that game than you would if you just ignored it and acted like you could pick up the ball and run with it in basketball as you do in football. No, that's not basketball. You, you broke the rules. You can't participate in the game. You do not have the freedom to do so because you didn't understand the definition of the sport. Does that make sense? And in music, it's the exact same way. If you don't practice and pay attention to the rules of music, stay within the boundaries, rhyme, rhythm, and cadence, learn to read, read music, uh, and, and, and perform and play accordingly. You're not, you're not engaging in a concerto if you just ignore all that. It's just chaos. It sounds terrible. You don't have the freedom to enjoy the beauty, the beauty of Mozart or Beethoven, Tchaikovsky. No, there are rules here, and that's the nature of this show, defining those rules, reminding us that words have definition of meaning. The importance of education, which is what we're going to talk about after the break. The, the, the fact that these are your kids, your children, your sons, your daughters, and yet there are judges, even in the United States of America, who are saying, no, they're not your kids. They're the states. And you don't have the right to step in the way of the state if the state wants to do something with your children that you disagree with. You do not have that right. That's what this judge in the Northeast, that's what this judge in Maryland just said. Well, that's what we're going to talk about after the show. Yes, there's good stuff happening. Parents in Florida rose up and swept the state with school board elections. So parental control, these are our kids, our, and you won't take them away from us. You have no right to do so. That's, that happened in Florida. And in Oklahoma, in the Republican primary, Ryan Walters, who has stood up and taken, uh, taken on the teachers' unions and, and this sexual nihilism that's being taught in Tulsa public schools and being endorsed by 
the teachers associations and unions. Ryan Walters has had the courage and the spine to step forward and say, this is nonsense, you need to stop it. And in the Republican primary, Ryan Walters has been elected. We need to stand strong and make sure that he prevails in the general now. So there's good stuff happening. happening. But in the meantime, you have these idiots, these oligarchs, these u- utopian dreamers who are ushering in a dystopia under the banner of goodness. They're actually bringing totalitarianism, which is the nature of every utopian dream, because utopians do not exist. It's a fake it's a, it's a fake um, worldview. It's, it's not real. It can't happen. In fact, the word was coined by Thomas More back in, I believe, 1516 in his classic work, Utopia. He coined the word utopia. And actually, do you know what it means? It's a, it, it's, um, it, 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 it means um, no good place. Did you know that? Because he, he, he used two Greek prefixes. One is O-U and the other is E-U, and he combined them to U-topia. Topia is place, and O-U means no, and E-U means good. And Thomas More combined those two prefixes into U, and essentially he's playing here, and he's saying there is no good place when you... Say that you have utopian dreams. You're dreaming of something that can't exist. No good place. And because that is a fact, that's true because of the brokenness of the human being. Original sin, We every time, every time there's this reach toward government hierarchical utopias, you just give us more control. Give the elite, the smart folks, the educated folks, those folks with degrees, those folks that know more than all of the deplorables, all those folks in the heartland that aren't as smart as us. Just give us control and we'll have a more perfect, beautiful, a good, utopian society, a one-world order. That's what, that's what this ongoing march of socialism, Marxism is. And that's the underpinning for BLM and social justice warriors and social emotional learning, critical theory, critical race theory. It's all the same thing. It's all a march for utopian dreams. Well, you can't have a utopia unless you give the smart folks control, right? And just just give us more and let us have your kids and everything will be better at the end of the day. That's what this judge is essentially saying up in Maryland. This is not good stuff. So I'm going to share with you a little bit about that story after we take this break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. This uh, story comes from the American Conservative. It's written by Rod Dreher. I've mentioned Rod Dreher before on this show, and I've encouraged you to follow him. Um, His writing is often a little bit long. He doesn't confine himself to the 750 to 800 words that most op-eds, opinion pieces, are because he's writing on his own, on his own site, um, and he's not restricted by that word count. So that's good, I think, because he gives you more depth. He's not just taking a quick hit. He wants you to understand uh, the argument more comprehensively. So the American Conservative, August twenty-two, Rod Dreher, and Dreher, by the way, is spelled D-R-E-H-E-R. Rod Dreher. Follow him. 
he's very solid, very bright, very thorough in what he says and writes. He starts out by saying this, This news from Maryland in the courtroom of Judge Paul Grimm is a shocking sign of the times. He goes in and he cites this. He says, A judge on Thursday dismissed a complaint against the Montgomery County School Board by parents who alleged that the system's student gender identity guidelines violated their state and constitutional rights. So the parents are suing the school board because they're alleging that the school board is violating the parents' constitutional rights, both the state and the United States, the nation's constitutions. That's what the parents are claiming. Three parents who filed anonymously in 2020 against the Montgomery County School Board argued that the guidelines, what were the guidelines? We're talking about the gender identity guidelines at the Montgomery County School Board in Maryland. These parents who filed an anonymous lawsuit against the school board argued that the guidelines curtailed their ability to, quote, direct the care, custody, education, and control of their minor children. What are the important words in that quotation? Custody, control, and their. The parents are arguing that they're our children. They're not your children. They're our children. They're basically arguing that they have the right and the responsibility to control, take care of, custody, and um, they want the state to acknowledge that these kids are not the state's, that they are the parents' children. They are our children, their children, okay? And they're arguing this under the 14th Amendment, okay? The 14th Amendment was passed after the Civil War. It was during Reconstruction. Go read it. But essentially, the 14th Amendment guarantees all citizens the right to their property, that the government cannot take property away from a citizen of the United States. So if they are they if the children are yours, the government has no right to come in and intrude upon what is yours. That's the parents' argument here. The parents said that the Montgomery County School Board guidelines for gender identity were designed to work around parental involvement uh, in a pivotal decision in their children's lives and that the guidelines enabled the school personnel to allow children to transition socially to a different gender identity at school without parental notice or consent. Here's more. In the U.S. District Court for the District of Maryland, Judge Paul Grimm sided with the school board argument that the guidelines advance the state's goal of protecting children's safety and privacy, according to the memo. You see what's going on here? It's an argument between, no, they're the state's children. Okay, it's, it's, it's our obligation to protect the safety and privacy of our children, argues the state. Whereas the parents are saying, no, they are our children, and we have the uh, obligation uh, to, to exercise our responsibility in their custody and their upbringing and the teaching and the protection 
of those kids. So it's a fight between the parents and the state. The school board certainly has the legitimate interest in providing a safe and supportive environment for all students, says the judge, including those who are transgender and gender nonconforming. And then the judge goes on, and the guidelines are certainly rationally related to achieving that result. So what's the judge saying? Do you get it now? This is a judge that was appointed by Barack Obama, one of Obama's appointees. His ruling is that the state has the right to deceive parents about whether or not their children are choosing to live as an opposite sex. The state, in the form of the local school board, has the right to deceive parents, to take the children, to deceive their moms and dads about a fundamental aspect of the child's life. That's what is going on. That's the nature of this debate. Whose kids are they? Yours or the state's? And this judge's ruling is they're the state's. They're the school board's. The school board has the right to protect the kid from his parents. Now, if there, there, there are extremes here, and that's the argument of the left. They'll push this to the extreme. Well, Piper, are you arguing that if the parents are abusing and beating the kid, have the kid locked in the basement and won't even give the kid any food? Uh, if the kid comes to school every day with black eyes and a broken arm and his back has welts on it because he's obviously been beaten with a rod or a chain or a whip, are you arguing that that's the parental right? No, because the parents have now violated the right of the child. The child is a human being too, and he or she has rights. But you're telling me, leftists, progressives, that you're going to you're you're going to put um, a parent teaching his kid that biology is real. It's a fact. It's not it's not a matter of feelings. It's an empirical reality. You're going to argue that when a parent teaches his son that and that biologically he's a boy, not a girl. You're going to argue that when a parent teaches a child, his son or his daughter, that the biblical definition of humanity is more accurate than the social construct, the postmodern idea that you can construct your own humanity and you can ignore science. You're going to tell me that when parents teach that, that that's the same thing that's in the same box as beating the kid or locking him in the basement and not giving him any food? Really, are we at that point? Because you'd have to go there if you want to defend what they're doing in Maryland. So, so it's, it's basically an argument for a communist state. Rod Dreher actually cites a Bolshevik revolutionary who wrote an essay in 1920 that says this, Communist society considers the social education of the rising generation to be one of the fundamental aspects of the new life. The old family, narrow and petty, where the parents quarrel and are only interested in their own offspring, is not capable of educating the new person. Did you hear that? The, the parents educating their own offspring as if their kids are theirs. The playgrounds, the gardens, the homes, and the other amenities where the child will spend the greater part of the day under the supervision of qualified educators will, on the other hand, offer an environment in which the child can grow up a conscious communist who recognizes the need for solidarity, comradeship, 
and mutual help and loyalty to the collective. See, that was written in 1920. Does it sound like a description of what is going on in your public education today? Does it sound more like what Judge Grimm is saying than what these faithful moms and dads are saying as they're trying to protect their children from this sexual nihilism and this science-denying trans ideology? Does, does it sound like the left and the judge, the legal system in Maryland, is siding more with this Bolshevik revolutionary than they are with, you know, biblical common sense, the laws of nature and nature's God, self-evident truths. Men and women are real, they're not fabrications, and women should have the right to their own identity, and it shouldn't be appropriated by these gender-confused nihilists. Which way is this judge going? I think you get my point. He obviously is going to the left, not the right on this issue. Now, here's an interesting quote that Rod Dreher cites. Um, He cites it in his book, Live Not By Lies. Go buy the book and read it. He says this, in his book, We Have Been Harmonized, that's the title of the book that Rod Dreher is citing right now. And harmonized, he says, is China's term for neutralizing citizens as a, as a threat to the social and political order. There's a journalist by the name of Strittmatter who spent years in Beijing reporting for a Germany Daily News paper. This uh, Strittmatter, this journalist, reveals that the dystopia of modern China has become something that controls every single person. The children are the states, not the parents. And basically, parents in China have accepted this as reality. It's just the way it is. People born in the 1880s and afterwards are hopelessly lost, says this particular journalist. And he's quoting somebody in China who yet has a brain and he recognizes something is wrong. But he also is citing this person, this Chinese person is citing the brainwashing that's taking place in their schools. The quote is this, the brainwashing starts in nursery school. It was different for us, us older folks, and they called us the lost generation because schools and colleges were closed back then, and many of us were denied an education. But in reality, we were probably the lucky ones, says this Chinese person. We fell through the cracks. The brainwashing didn't get to us. Mao was dead and everyone was desperate for China to open up, for reform, for freedom. The state's information control apparatus demolished the ability of young Chinese to learn facts about their nation's history in ways that contradict the Communist Party narrative, says this, this person from China. In 1989, the Tiananmen Square Massacre, for example, has been memory hold. The state has just basically, the younger people born after 1980 don't even know about it. They don't know about Tiananmen Square. This is something that we will almost certainly not have to endure in the West, said this person, this Chinese person. But the condition of the youth and the consumerist China is more Huxley than Orwell. As the American media critic Neil Postman once said, Orwell feared a world in which people would be forbidden to read books, and Huxley, by contrast, feared a world in which no one 
would have to ban books because no one would want to read them in the first place. This says this Chinese person is China today. Even though a great deal of information remains available to students, they don't care about it. They don't want to read about it. They've bought the lie of the state. Many students say they haven't got the time. They're distracted by a thousand other things. And although I'm only 10 years older than them, they don't understand me. They live in a completely different world. They've been perfectly manipulated by their education and the party's propaganda. My students devote their lives to consumerism and they ignore everything else. Piper paraphrase here, look at them as they are addicted to their cell phones. Consumerism. They're technocrats. They're techno-dystopians. They're re ignoring reality because it's been made very easy for them. Read Huxley again, Brave New World. They're addicted to their drugs and their iPhones. I want you to listen to one more quote from this article. We have been harmonized. Okay, I'm going to summarize much of what I just read. I want you to listen to it in the last two minutes. We've been harmonized. We've been neutralized as a threat to the social and political order. People born in the 1880s and afterwards are hopelessly lost. The brainwashing starts in nursery school. The state's information control apparatus has demolished the ability of the, of the young to learn facts that contradict the narrative. Although I'm only 10 years older than them, they don't understand me. They live in a completely different world. They've been perfectly manipulated by their education and the party's propaganda. They ignore reality. It's been made easy for them. Close quote. That's what I just read to you from this Roger article. This is a quote from a Chinese teacher who still has a brain and recognizes there's a problem. But he's telling you what the result of bad education is when you give your children over to the state, to people like this judge in Maryland and the school board in Maryland that just won by virtue of this judge's ruling. Education matters. And if we don't elect the right people in Florida and Oklahoma, and yes, it can even happen in Maryland, if we don't elect the right people, and fight this dystopian nonsense that masquerades as a utopian progressive movement toward goodness, per perfection, hierarchical perfection of our culture, which is impossible. That's why Thomas More coined the word utopia. It's a play on the prefixes of OU, which is no, and EU, which is good. He takes the O and the E off and he just uses U, topia. He coins the word utopia, which essentially means no good place. The only good place is within the boundaries that are given to us by our Creator. And that's what we should be teaching our kids because they are ours and no one else's. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.